Welcome back to Daf HaShavua. This week we're going to be learning Daf Samach Zayin uh, as we make our way after beginning last week through the parak of Almana L'Kohen Gadol, this, uh, this new beautiful parak in Mesechus Yivamos, which discusses uh, all sorts of possessions that a woman brings into a marriage. The descriptions that we had last week of Avde Milug and the Avde Tzon Barzel, the two types of uh, possessions that she's going to bring in, those that uh, really belong to her and those that uh, upon the severance or the the death uh, of uh, of the husband, uh, those the the increase in value really is going to belong to the uh, to the husband. Our daf is going to discuss the status of a fetus in a woman who was uh, or is married to a kohen, and we know that if a basi stroll is married to a kohen, then this woman uh, can go ahead and eat truma. But if her husband dies and she has children, she can still eat truma. But if not, if she doesn't have children, she goes back to her father's house and she no longer has the rights to uh, to eating truma. And that is the uh, the uh, the jumping pad for our entire conversation on Daf Samach Zayin. So the Mishnah picks up on Daf Samach Zayin Amad Aleph and presents the following case. Bas Yisrael goes ahead and marries a Kohen. The Kohen then unfortunately passes away and leaves his wife as a Meuberis, leaves his wife pregnant. The question that the Mishnah presents is, are the Tzon Barzel slaves, the Avdi Tzon Barzel, that the woman, that the wife brings into the marriage, able to eat truma? Rabbi Yossi comes along and Rabbi Yossi answers as follows. And Rabbi Yossi tells us that the wife can continue to eat truma because of her children, like we've mentioned, that, uh, that as long as she has children, that are children that have been born to the Kohen, that she already uh, is going to be Zoha to uh, to eat Truma. She's going to merit to eat Truma. The children that she has has made her officially uh, continue on in the world of Kahuna, and therefore she can um, therefore she can uh, she can eat Truma. The Avdi Milug as well can continue to eat Truma because of her. These Avdi Milug are considered to be her possessions when they came into uh, when they, she brought these slaves into the marriage. The uh, increase or decrease in value is going to be attributed to her, and therefore these avadim that she brings into the marriage are going to be able to continue to eat truma after the uh, after the death of her late Kohen husband. However, Avdi Tzon Barzel, the uh, the other types of slaves that she brings into the marriage, Rabbi Yossi says that they're not allowed to eat truma because they were officially the husband's possessions. Those avadim are now going to be inherited by his children, among them the fetus that's in this woman. And since the fetus is going to be born without the Kohen being alive, the Avdi Tzon Barzel that she brought in are not going to be able to eat truma. So the Gemara and the Mishnah continue to describe that perhaps since the fetus has a hand in the slaves, in the Avadim, officially the fetus is a Yoresh, officially the fetus um, is, uh, is an inheritor of the uh, of these slaves, so therefore uh, the fetus is officially uh, the the bailim, the owner, and halachically one of the inheritors, and therefore these slaves cannot go ahead and cannot eat truma. So the Gemara begins, and we have a machlokas between Rava and Rav Yosef, uh, and they go on to explain how Rav Yosef came to his conclusion with two possible suggestions. Suggestion number one offers the Gemara is that perhaps the reason that the deceased Kohen's slaves can't eat truma, the avdeit son barzel, they cannot eat truma, is that when Kohen is married to a Bas Yisrael. The baby inside this woman until birth is called uh, a Bas Yisrael. This baby is not a Kohen yet. In utero, even though she's married to a Kohen, the fetus is a Yisrael until the baby comes out, which would make the slaves partially owned by a non-Kohen, i.e. this fetus, and they cannot be 
they cannot eat the truma. So since the fetus officially owns part of this slave and the fetus is not going to be a Kohen, these uh, Avdit, Son Barzel, are not going to be able to eat, uh, are not going to be, be able to eat truma. That's suggestion number one. Suggestion number two that's offered in the Gemara is that maybe Rabiosi holds that only a Kohen that has been born already can be entitled uh, and can entitle others to eat truma, but an unborn Kohen can't entitle others to eat truma, and this fetus is obviously an unborn Kohen, and he doesn't have the ability to entitle others in the eating of truma. So what's the nafkamina between these two possibilities as to what the uh, rationale is behind Rabiosi? So the nafkamina between the possibilities is that the Gemara presents to us a fetus that's in the womb of a Bas Kohen, right? So the mother is not a Bas Yisrael. Let's say the mother of this fetus is a Bas Kohen. So if we held like reason number one, then the fetus would entitle the slaves to eat truma because the fetus uh, is a Kohen. The fetus uh, does have the, uh, the zuchus of eating truma and therefore the Avdit Son Barzel would be able to uh, to go ahead and would be able to eat Truma. But if we held like reason number two, that the fetus isn't born yet, and therefore an unborn fetus can't be Mizaka, somebody, to uh, to eat Truma. So no matter what, regardless of the mother and regardless of whether or not the mother is a Kohen or Yisrael, an unborn fetus is not going to allow Avadim to go ahead and Avadim to eat uh, to eat Truma. So ultimately the Gemara concludes with the word Kasha that uh, this implies that the reason behind Rabiosi uh, and Rabbi Yossi's thought process is still unclear, and we don't know exactly why Rabbi Yossi held uh, like he uh, like he did. So there's a famous question that uh, comes as a result of uh, this Gemara and quite a few other Gemaras that we have throughout Shas. The question is, what about uh, what happens with regards to, and this appears at the beginning of Parshas Emor, when we're introduced to the rules of uh, Tumas Kohanim and Taras Kohanim, the question arises about the pregnant wife of a Kohen and whether or not she is going to be able to uh, to go into a cemetery. The Gemara later on in Yivamos and Daf Kuf discusses and describes the fact that the Torah gives a tzivoy, the Torah gives an adult a commandment to ensure that Kohanim under the age of 13, under uh, Bar Mitzvah, do not become Tameh. And the question then arises, is a woman who is a Kohen able to go into a cemetery uh, with a fetus uh, in her, knowing that the uh, the fetus uh, is ultimately, if it's a boy, is going to become a Kohen. Is the Tuma going to uh, enter into her? And is this woman going to give birth to an un, uh, uh, to a baby that's already tummy? Should the baby uh, should the baby be a boy? So this discussion uh, definitely has a lot of ink that's spilled over it, and we'll try to over the course of the next few minutes present some of the uh, possibilities. So the Shach, uh, one of the commentaries, one of the Nosei Kalim in Yordea, in Simon Shin, Samach Aleph, quotes uh, the noted approach of the Rokeach, who describes that what we have over here is what's called a Sveik Sveika. In Halacha, we have, uh, often we have a case of a double doubt when not only do we have a question about one aspect of an equation, but when we have an as- a question about two different aspects of an equation, we refer to it as a Sveik Sveika. What is the Sveik Sveika? The Sveik Sveika is, is that either, number one, she might be pregnant with a girl, and not a boy, and a woman, a Bas Kohen, is able to uh, go ahead and is able to enter into a cemetery, that's suffix number one. Suffix number two 
is the suffix that even if she's pregnant with a boy, maybe the baby is not a bar kayama, maybe the baby uh, is not viable, and the woman might go ahead and have a miscarriage. So therefore, uh, we have a sveik sveik over here, and the shach quotes the rokeach, that this woman would be allowed to go into, uh, would be allowed to go into the cemetery. Rabbi Akiva Eger, actually, in the beginning of Yoridea, in Simen Yud Ches, Sif Yud Beis, describes that what happens in a case where we have the ability to resolve one of these sphacos? Let's say we can uh, do a sonogram. We can find out what gender this baby is going to be. Uh, would that uh, uh, interfere with the halachic sphake sphaco that would allow this woman to go ahead and go into the uh, cemetery? So Rabbi Akiva describes that if a person can only resolve one of the sphacos of a sphake sphaco, person's not obligated to go ahead and do so. Only if you can resolve both sphacos are you going to be obligated to go ahead and investigate these sphacos. So therefore, even according to the Rokeach, you don't need to go ahead and find out whether the fetus is a male or a female, because it's not going to clarify both sphacos. The baby still may not be a barakayama, the baby still not may, uh, may not be a viable fetus, the woman may go ahead and may unfortunately have a miscarriage, and therefore, according to Rabbi Akiva Eger, this woman would be allowed to go, uh, would be allowed to go into uh, into uh, into the cemetery. So the Magin Avram and Orachayim and Shinmem Gimel says that he doesn't understand why the Rokeach had to rely on a fake Sveika to allow the uh, the pregnant wife of this Kohen to enter a room with a uh, with a mace in the room. So the Magin Avram suggests that this should be permitted not because of fake Sveika, because of a different concept that appears in uh, the Halachos of Tumah Vitara that's referred to as Tara Balua, that if something is completely enveloped inside something else, it can't Track tumma. So this fetus is completely enveloped within the mother, uh, and therefore it can't contract tumma regardless. So when the baby is going to be born, doesn't matter whether or not the mother interacted with something that was tummy. And therefore, according to the Magin Avram, he says we don't even need the sveik sveika. We have a concept of tara balua over here, and therefore. Uh, he would be allowed, this mother would be allowed to, uh, this mother would be allowed to go into, uh, would be allowed to go into, uh, into the cemetery. Rabbi Chana Wasserman, in his uh, famous Sefer, Kovitz Shiurim, in Chelek Bey Simen Mem Aleph, so he offers the following, he writes that maybe even though the baby isn't actually a Kohen now, but at the moment of birth, the baby will become a Kohen, and that tumult will stay with him throughout his life as a fetus. So therefore, in contrary, uh, contrary to what the Magad Avram just suggested, Rebbe Chana doesn't invoke the principle over here of Tara Balua, and a woman really should be uh, be concerned about going into a cemetery with a fetus that's going to be born to a uh, to a Kohen. So we have a uh, spectrum of different shitos over here. Certainly the Sveika of the Rokeach, the concept of Tara Balua that we have according to the Magin Avram, Rabbi Akiva Eger, who describes when a person is going to be uh, obligated to go ahead and resolve uh, one of those Sveikos, or two of those Sveikos, like our, uh, like our presentation over here. And uh, ultimately... Uh, we uh, we would come to the conclusion that this uh, that this woman would be allowed in certain circumstances to enter into the cemetery without the suspicion of being mitame her uh, her unborn fetus. So another question actually that hinges on this uh, discussion is when the real status of a baby is determined. Is it determined during birth or is it determined during pregnancy? So let's say we have a case where a woman can't carry a baby uh, for one reason or another, and there needs to be a surrogate mother, something that uh, that takes place nowadays that uh that um 
that um, that science and halacha together has allowed for. So what's the status of that baby? So most poskim, uh, including Rav Yashiv, say that we go based on the mother, that which mother gives birth to that child. If the birthing mother isn't Jewish, then the child is going to need to, to, to need a full-fledged conversion, a giur lechumra. The Tzitz Eliezer of Waldenberg, who is the uh, the chief rabbi of Shari Tzedek Hospital, who wrote many shayos and chuvos agrees, but if Shlomo Zalman Orbach disagreed and uh, left it as being an unclear uh, conversation. And he described the fact that we would need to be machmir and we would need to make sure that the baby is going to be Jewish uh, according to all post games. So we have quite a few of, uh, 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 quite a spectrum over here of uh, discussions that come out as a result of having this fetus of a um, of a, a baby that's going to be born to a, uh, a father who is a Kohen. And uh, these are some of the issues that the post can deal with. The Gemara then goes on to present the view of the Chachamim who hold that a fetus isn't Yoresh at all to the father's estate, which includes the Abdit Son Barzel. And therefore, according to the Chachamim, against Rabbi Yossi, the issue of whether the fetus was a Kohen before birth is totally irrelevant since he doesn't have any ownership over the slaves anyway. That this fetus can't be Kona, he can't be Zoha in anything, and as a result, he, uh, the fetus uh, doesn't get any Zuchus. So this, uh, the Machlokas at this point in the Gemara presents itself as follows. According to Rabbi Yossi, uh, in Uber, a fetus can acquire ownership of assets prior uh, prior to birth, and therefore he can inherit a portion of the Avdeit Son Barzel, disqualifying the Avdeit Son Barzel from eating truma. And according to the Chachamim, on the flip side, an Uber cannot acquire ownership of assets prior to birth, uh, and therefore he doesn't, uh, he's not Yorish, any of the Avdeit Son Barzel, and he doesn't disqualify them from eating truma, and they can go ahead and eat truma um, because of the older brother. So the Gemara brings a Brisa, which quotes two other opinions in this Machlokas, and they both basically agree with Rabbi Yossi that the Uber is going to be uh, is going to be possible, is going to possible the, uh, the eaters of Trumas. The Gemara then goes on to discuss various permutations uh, of a statement that's re- made by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai regarding male and female offspring uh, of this couple and whether or not slaves can eat Truma uh, as a result of the Yorshim. But what Daf Samach Zayin over here presents uh, to us is uh, really are so many different uh, discussions and conversations with regards to the status uh, of a fetus in halacha. Is this fetus going to, uh, like we mentioned earlier, can it become tame? Can it become tame? Tahor. Can it be mezaka others in uh, the eating of truma? Can it not be mezaka uh, others in the eating of truma? What is the status of this uber before it's born, while it's still in the mother? At what point uh, does this uber begin to take on halachic uh, qualifications and categories that we are going to begin to uh, have to come to halachic uh, halachic? Uh, decisions uh, decisions for. As time goes on and as science develops, obviously, so this conversation uh, really develops as well as we uh, really uh, have an eye into what the life of a fetus is like, what a fetus can do uh, with uh, with all sorts of technological advances that uh, that we've made. Uh, and, uh, and as a result, we uh, in the world of halacha are on par with the development of science and trying to really understand the role that a, uh, that a fetus plays 
Mazen, whether or not this fetus uh, can uh, affect Yorshim, Zechuyos, and Truma, uh, all sorts of uh, monetary obligations that, uh, that, uh, that inheritors are going to have. And uh, as we go through Daf Samach Zayin, we really are presented with uh, so many of these issues that, uh, that really can become practical. So that is Sechis Yivamos Daf Samach Zayin, this week's Daf HaShavua.